Welcome to VSI, Variation Selection Inheritance, a podcast production of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. This week we're doing something a little bit different. Normally, Lauren does some behind-the-scenes audio editing, but she also has some experience producing public service announcements and such for the college radio station, so today it's her turn in front of the mic. This will not be an interview. It will be more like bowling than tennis. I'll set them up, she'll knock them down, and then I'll set them up again. That's me, your PhD pin monkey. So, on to that first setup. For the past couple of episodes, and on the blog this week, we've been talking about cultural change as an evolutionary problem. One way to do that is to simply educate children in the behaviors you do want and wait for the people who display a behavior you don't want to die. For some very deeply held emotional beliefs like racism or sexism, that may be all we can do. For others, we might be able to select against the behavior directly, convincing individual people to remove certain behaviors from their lives, like shooting hyenas or like having unprotected sex with prostitutes and contracting HIV. Every group that wants to affect some kind of cultural change has some ideal they want to fulfill. The National Science Foundation, which funds this program, has a program for responsible conduct of research. Later on you'll hear Lauren refer to an RCR training. That's what she means. The behaviors that the NSF wants to remove from the scientific population are things like faking their data. But just telling people not to fake their data seems not always and perfectly effective. Won't ever be perfectly effective, but how do you maximize the effectiveness of that particular message? Some people do respond to simple authority, don't do that, but many other people do not. Scientists, for instance, tend to be somewhat anti-authority. That helps when you're out on the frontier of knowledge, because out there there aren't any answers. It's kind of why we're doing the research. So, if you can't rely on authority, the way many religious traditions do, what can you use? Stealing another page from religious practice, humans in general have very powerful emotional responses to stories with characters and plots and motives. It's also a neat way to leverage our social circuitry. Make a problem into a social situation and boom, suddenly a whole new chunk of the brain is working on it. When I was a kid, uh, the ABC television network did a whole series of occasional movies they called the ABC After School Special. They were morality plays basically, uh, showing the consequences of good or bad decisions. They covered all kinds of topics, from shooting endangered species in The Last Curlew, to suicide, teen pregnancy, all the stuff that would later appear in a very special episode of Blossom, or whatever show decided to get relevant in its last season before it got canceled. My personal favorite after-school special was one called The Wave from season 11. 
In that one, a charismatic high school teacher does a social experiment to see how far he can push a high school class to improve themselves. I won't spoil the ending for you, but trust me, it is classic. There's a link to it on the website. What the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has apparently done in some of their RCR trainings, which we piggybacked off of, is to combine the concept of the ABC After School Special with the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which were popular around that same time. I never had any of those myself, but I found a ratty old copy of one of the TSR knockoffs at a game convention, which we will now use to demonstrate the concept. Go. Ugh, I don't know if I want to be seen with you. It's bad enough that you're a human, but a dirty human is too much to bear. The pixie hovers in midair before you, a disapproving frown on her face. She has flung a cape of brilliant red cardinal feathers over her shoulder as she climbs the shimmering sunlight. You feel large, drab, and clumsy. I'm sorry. I don't. I can't do anything about my size or appearance. You say regretfully, but I can," says Whimsy. We'll go to my friend the Dryad. She's got a shrinking potion that she's been saving. I'll let her have. I'll have her let you drink it, and then I'll get you some spare pixie clothes. Shrink me! You cry in fear. Will it hurt? Was too small forever? Don't be silly, says Whimsy. Without even looking to see if you are following, she flies down the hill. One, if you choose to go with the pixie and take your chances on being strong, turn to page 92. If you choose to leave the pixie and go after the dwarves instead, take thank Whimsy for her offer of health and turn to page 34. There's also a link to the Choose Your Own Adventure books and to that actual training on the website. If the fairy-centric demo was not to your liking, feel free to pause this, go to that training, and mess around with it for a few minutes. Go ahead. We don't mind waiting. We're just a recording. It's not like we have any feelings or anything. Are you back? Well, oh, okay then. Allow me to introduce my assistant. My name is Lauren Branch. I am a senior journalism and mass communications major in North Carolina A&T State University. I have been working with the podcast since last summer as an audio editor. So almost all of the podcasts you have been listening to since last July was edited by me. My job is fairly simple considering the fact that I do these type of things all the time for my department, whether it's through, you know, the television studio or our radio station, WNAA 90.1 FM. I know you're wondering, what in the world is a journalism major doing working in science? Surprisingly, my major is very relevant in doing this job. 
I realized this after attending a mandatory training through Beacon and I'm here to tell you a little bit about it. So in the fall, probably about late September, early October, I was told that, you know, everyone that was employed under Beacon had to attend an RCR training. Not even knowing what it was, I said okay and signed up for a time slot. I saved the appointment info in my school email account since that was the one thing I constantly checked. A couple of weeks before it was time for me to attend, the school decided to revamp the email system, wiping out all of my information. I ended up missing the appointment to say the least, but I was fortunate enough to be able to do a makeup session. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So when I got there, I still didn't know what I was there for or what I was going to be doing. I was just there because I was told I had to. Sometimes in life, you just got to do what your boss tells you to do. <laughs> so I assumed it was going to be boring, um, a lot of information in a long day because I have never really been interested in science or anything relating to science. When we got there, we were served breakfast, which helped brighten up my spirit a little bit, seeing that it was so early in the morning. And in the meeting, we were given a packet of information and listened to some introductions about what we were there for. Yet, keep in mind, I was still not interested. <laughs> then, something interesting happened. A mini video quiz type thing was put up on the screen. And, you know, I was like, what in the world is this? So as a group, we were put in a situation that was tip that would typically happen in the lab. Um, keep in mind, I've never been to a lab. So this was all first-hand things for me. First time, never been through it. But anyway, like I said, we were put in a group. And, and we were put in a situation that would typically happen in the lab. We had to come up with what we should do. Um, in these certain situations. The situation that we were dealing with that day was there was a couple who worked in the same lab doing research. Um, just to make it easy to follow, I'm going to say the girl's name is Jill and the boy's name is Jack. So Jack and Jill went together and they both worked in the same lab. So Jill, she paid very close attention to every detail of the data and noticed that Jack's information didn't seem legit and may have been altered or changed. Well, we had to take Jill through the steps she should take to handle the situation. What I liked about this presentation is that after we made our decision, directly after we made it, it would show us what could happen if we would have really made that choice in real life. Of course, you know, that's not always the case, but more than likely, that's what would have happened. It was actual videos, not just someone reading. If you would have said, went to the boss of the place, then he would have told you, you need to go talk to Jack. No, it wasn't that boring. It went through the video and showed us, so it was easy to understand. So, the whole process, it was easy to compare and contrast the decisions. Sometimes we made good decisions as a group and sometimes we didn't. If we didn't, we were allowed to go back and make another decision until we got it right. So, it was a learning experience just like in real life. Even though I never really actually deal with these type of situations when it comes to lab work and research, it was very helpful for me, surprisingly, to go through this process. 
I learned how important it is to think about our options when making decisions in life because um, that's what she had to do. I realized that the person who made the video was probably a journalism major or someone with interest in our study because someone had to shoot the video, someone had to edit the video. This helped show me that journalism is very needed in almost every other field of study. Um, well, that's about it. I hope you guys enjoyed the journey through my day as a scientist. <laughs> Bye, guys. Now, in the best after-school tradition, what did Lauren learn? In terms of the details about the responsible conduct of research specifically, I would have to say, honestly, not a lot. She remembered the story and the take-home message and not much else. I know that because I didn't send her the link before she did her piece, so she was forced to rely on her memory. I meant to send it to her. My bad. But that failure of mine did create an interesting natural experiment. Does her decidedly vague memory of a training she did several months ago mean that the experiment in narrative teaching failed? That we should abandon narrative as a teaching tool? No. First, after about 30 years, I don't remember much about the wave either. A couple of striking images and a take-home message that we should think for ourselves and question our leaders. That's about the same level that she got out of the RCR training. Second, to be fair to Lauren, she was not the target audience. The target audience was science geeks like me. As a trained scientist, who actually cares about these issues to some extent, I found the process a kind of artificial, a, a little bit lame, but still a hell of a lot more engaging than a sermon from a compliance officer. Third, behaviors take a lot of changing. People go to AA meetings or therapy or church once a week trying to change their problem behaviors. The after-school specials ran about once a month for 25 years. Rome was not built in a day. That's all the time we have for this week. The actual research on the process of social change, I'll have to save for another day. VSI is, oh, wait, Lauren already did that spiel. Okay then, thanks for listening.